0: this is a show for grown-ups
1: and they say bad words
0: and they say bad words
1: say final warning
0: final warning
1: hello and welcome to the pot of blunders my name is date magnuski and i'm here with skeeter green of skeeter green productions how's it
0: going uh it's going well thanks for having me on the show Let's me push my book cryptocodex
1: yeah that's why you have that background you know it's it's all making sense now
0: yeah it's all (laughs) it's all coming together you know i i even put my name and the company on there saw that and i i I don't want to
1: praise myself too heavily but i nailed it you know
0: yeah no you you (laughs) got that right off i mean i have two of them on there so i'm i'm trying to (laughs) i'm like scooter black that's not it that's not it yeah no no (laughs) no that i did get a lot of that growing up though yeah yeah oh yeah (laughs) <laughs> big time
1: my last name is magnuski so i got all kinds of whack stuff for that so i feel so i'm
0: sure yeah <laughs> kids so, are terrible unless they buy role-playing books then they're awesome well they're, they're still a little terrible but not
1: i mean there's still a, there's a little great terrible. Here, you know? yeah 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 so before we talk about crypto codex i wanted to ask about your first kickstarter
0: okay I, a, a book that i love dearly crypto the science wizard all right crypt of the science wizard my homage Mm. to tomb of horrors yes obviously yeah i I love tomb of horrors so much i have the tattoo so oh that's dope
1: that's so cool
0: yeah so that's that's how you can find me at a convention it's like that guy with that thing on his arm oh (laughs) it's the green devil face yeah okay now i get it i know that one so for those people who don't know, what
1: is Crypt of the Science Wizard all about?
0: Crypt of the Science Wizard was obviously my homage to Tomb of Horrors, but it was me betting on myself in the RPG industry. I had been a longtime writer and developer for Frog God Games, and it, it got to the point where I started to wonder if I could do this on my own. And they were cool enough to, you know, we worked out, an opportunity for me to just strike out on my own Mm -hmm. and I decided to uh, write an adventure from you know very beginning to very end all on my own just to see if I could do it so I did a lot of research about actual tombs you know from from Egypt and how they were constructed so that's one of the things in Crypt of the Science Wizard that kind of catches people off guard there are unfinished parts and there are staging areas, and there are mechanics of the tomb that were lifted from actual tombs. So, right. some of that is very realistic, and I wanted to put obstacles in crypt that really challenged the players to the point that i even put some stuff in there just to screw with players who think (laughs) they know so much because there's the obligatory chessboard floor in there Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and you know immediately people who have played for a long time just you know start to pucker when they just go oh god which how do we do this you know there's levers in the wall iron (laughs) levers and they're in different positions and all of that kind of really meaty stuff and it's been a lot of fun to watch people kind of struggle with it. So I'm terrible. I know. <laughs> would you describe it as a murder dungeon? Um, no. Uh, at, the, at the very beginning, I would have, you know, two or three people maybe die out of a group. Um, but it's, there's, there's not a lot of conflict in it. Like there are only a couple of different monsters. It's really just me giving players enough rope to hang their characters. Like if you want to be dumb in there, it will absolutely wipe you out. But so it's been released for fifth edition and swords and wizardry. And then last year I updated it for DCC and MCC dungeon crawl classics and mutant crawl classics. And if if people are, have an investigative personality, they can do it with very baseline, simple characters very, you know, first level beginning characters could totally do it. If they're careful and cautious, if you're an 18th level character and you're just balls out, ah, I'm going to, you know, just blow right through this. You're going to die. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> You're going to. So that was that was what I wanted. My my wife is very into detective TV shows, and mm. and and her personality is very investigative. So when I was writing it, I would pitch her these ideas. I'd be like, "What do you think of this?" And she goes, "That's terrible. You should totally put that in. That <laughs> that is just awful to think about." And it was based off uh, when I was with Frog God. Uh, one of the things that how I got my start was uh, doing traps in Um, 3.0 some of the authors hated the mechanics of the game so they were like hey can you figure this out so I got really into multi-stage traps and a lot of the a lot of the obstacles in Crypt of the Science Wizard are multi-stage or complex I like to say obstacles more than traps because they're not they're not necessarily something that just jumps out at you and there are some things you cannot bypass you just have to deal with yeah it's a it's a little bit of a different design philosophy than you know you're going to have x amount of encounters in a certain right. time period and expend x amount of resources to bypass it i didn't do that at all <laughs> that's in my opinion that's a good thing you know so much of
1: fifth edition is based on combat 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 it ignores a lot of the other th- three pillars of the game, or the other two pillars, I should say. Did you find it, was there any
0: resistance to a game that is so kind of OSRE in its feel? It's interesting that you bring that up because the the way I wrote Crypt of the Science Wizard is uh, for the fifth edition version, If you uh, there are certain skill checks at certain Mm -hmm. points to do things like normal, but the skill checks don't automatically let you bypass something it gives you more information. So the only way you can actually bypass things mm-hmm. is coming up with a solid plan. Now for 5e, you get a little bit more insight if you make your checks. Right. Um, for the swords, swords and wizardry version, if you come up with a clever idea, I give you some bonuses and and some of that is written in there. Same thing with the uh, dungeon crawl classics version mm. is if you're descriptive about what you're doing and say like, you know, I really, I feel like there's something in this, you know, section of the wall. I really want to investigate that. And I'm like, okay, well, there's nothing right there, but really close. You notice, you know, so it's giving people some hints and tips without doing the work for them. And I've noticed as I've run this and heard other people who have run it, the players really are embracing that and really get engaged with the not being handed their victory mm-hmm. so if they make it out they're just like whoa you know they get yeah. you get the high five moment which is absolutely what i was going for it sounds like you really put effort into
1: differentiating it for the different systems instead of just kind of slapping out a coat of paint you know on the fifth
0: edition one versus the sword and
1: wizardry one
0: Well, that was one of the things that I did at Frog God is they they release things under multiple rule sets. And there is a distinct way that you have to write for the different rule sets so you can be, you know, honorable and respectful of each rule system. Right, Because if you just if you just file off the numbers and go, oh, yeah, I'm just going to throw a skill check in here and I'm, I'm just going to pull a skill check out here. Then people don't really like it because they go, oh, this was written for something else.
1: Yeah, and and, and just... you're just
0: throwing some paint on it. And I figure, you know, I in the lucrative world of RPG design, you know, <laughs> yep. spending money on these things is is a bite. And especially after 2020 and what everybody has gone through, I mean, if you're going to be spending your money on one of these adventures, I want you to have at least a couple of days worth of going through and enjoying this. I mean, for the price of a movie ticket now, mm-hmm. which you get two hours of you know, being stuck in a room with 200 other people, right? you can have several sessions hanging out with your friends and really being challenged. And, and I think there is not as much challenge in some modules. I, I think you can tell a story and still be challenging. Mm -hmm. I don't think it has to be one or the other. And, and some people, and I'm not going to be all shitty and say who I think it is, but some people don't do that. This this is not my day job. I do this because I love it. So when I put these things out, they're things I want to be proud of, mm-hmm. and I've gotten good feedback. So I'm digging it. Well deserved. You know, that's what I've, I what I've read of your stuff. It's super stuff. appreciate it. And no problem.
1: I only tell the truth on this podcast. <laughs> so, so your current project right now, Crypto Codex. Yes, it's going on until March fifteenth or
0: March sixteenth. March 16th. Yeah, so you've got an extra day there. Which is my birthday. So the Kickstarter right. ends right on my birthday. So if you're thinking about getting me a gift, go ahead and take a look at the Kickstarter and maybe throw a pledge at it. <laughs> you should. Absolutely. What is Crypto Codex? So Crypto Codex is it's it's a book of the monsters and inhabitants of the setting where crypt of the science wizard lives the setting is going to be a kickstarter in 2022 when i get some things gathered for that but as i was writing crypt of the science wizard level two Mm -hmm. i i i decided that one was going to be more combat oriented okay so i didn't want to just use you know basic Monsters in there. I wanted Mm -hmm. I wanted it to have the flavor of the setting. So that means I'm coming up with new creatures. And then I came up with so much of so many of them. And then I it started pulling me in other directions. So I started creating even more. And I was like, shit, I should just put a book together. (laughs) And then it was like, oh my God. I so yeah, CryptoCodex is the monster and inhabitants book. There are 50 entries in there wow. there are not 50 entries there are 50 distinct monsters they're like 40 entries because i have these weird elephant hybrids <laughs> yep <laughs> mixed with a bunch of different stuff in there and you know there's i got some dinosaurs in there that are not your typical <laughs> so it, it's there's a lot of crazy stuff but the title i wanted it to my big thing now is mixing Dungeon Crawl Classics and Mutant Crawl Classics because mm-hmm. I I really love that whole thunder the barbarian herculoids heavy metal mm-hmm. kind of mix where you could have a caveman and some beast dude with a machine gun and I'm like this is perfect. So so I wanted to have the science but also have the fantasy so the codex is like oh you know i have this spell book with this forbidden knowledge and then cryptozoology is the scientific study of these weird monsters that we have in real life and i was like okay oh wait there's a title plus <laughs> it has crypt in it so it keeps the link back to crypt of the science wizard and it's just very fortuitous it worked out so well <laughs> it's funny you mentioned
1: the elephants because I was looking through your Kickstarter and I saw that there was like six or seven different
0: elephant variants. What's, oh, yeah. up, with,
1: what's up with the elephants?
0: So the, uh, the setting for crypt of the science wizard is very desert mm-hmm. in one patch and very jungle in another patch. Mm-hmm. And I was trying to find, okay, so like without getting too crazy, what kind of things are going to be in both You know, settings. And I'm like, okay, giant lizard. Well, giant lizard is in every base of every book. I'm like, well, what's in Africa? Elephants. Oh, man. If somebody took elephants like some crazy wizard did with the owl bear and just started mixing it. And then, yeah, I was off to the races. There was, (laughs) there is a surprisingly disturbing amount you could do with elephants as base creatures i mean it's it's the same thing like uh one of the things i have is a rocket font, so Mm -hmm. it's basically a griffin but it's elephant size with a rock front of it and yeah oh yeah it's huge and bad news and yet not everybody is going to use those but another one is a humifant so it's basically a minotaur with an elephant's head, oh, except right. he's he's bigger, and yeah, he will mess you right up if you you know don't feed him peanuts. They're also afraid of mice, you know that Good. kind. Of, no, I'm, I'm just messing. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so so that's the kind of thing. That's how the that's how the book built. Is I would have one idea or you know one stupid idea. And then I start joking about other stupid ideas. And I'm like, wait a minute, that's, that's viable. I, I, I could do that. (laughs) That was the same thing with the dinosaurs. You know, I, I came up with, okay, we're going to have regular dinosaurs. And I'm just like, all right, let's, let's get mutant crazy. So I have tri-rex, which is a three-headed T-Rex because why not? They're not bad enough to start with. So Let's, let's put two more heads on this thing and make it faster. I love it. <laughs> yeah, yeah I'd I, so. be pants-shittingly
1: terrifying to have a three-headed T-Rex like chasing your party down. Right? Like, yeah, absolutely. That's
0: I mean, <laughs> yeah, because if it's attacking one of the dinosaurs attacking it, there's still two heads to get you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, yeah. so... And, and there's a... Oh, God, what was it? The, there's another one that's a uh, spinosaurus that's like a giant sea anemone with six legs that is on the ground so this sea anemone with all this tentacles and stuff can chase you through the jungle it's just huh. it's like man what is wrong in my brain <laughs> <laughs> it's paying dividends so keep it yeah <laughs> it, it it's different i haven't seen that anywhere
1: and that's just beautiful about it you know it's bug nuts insane so yeah it, people need to
0: get this book it's great well and and one of the things was after i come up with these insane ideas Mm -hmm. i have to put some backstory to it so i have to think about how did this thing develop which actually led to me compiling this historical document for the setting where i have the Mm. i have the four ages that came before the current age and you know there's an age of science and then mm. that gets wiped out there's an age of faith and that gets wiped out and there's an age of magic and that gets wiped out and mm. the age that they're in now is this mishmash mm. of all these things that have been left over from you know years and years and years ago because you know in regular fantasy an owl bear is not a new creation right it's been around for a while well why did somebody make that Cause they're a dick. <laughs> yeah. Maybe some, maybe, maybe some wizard is a total dick and he's like, I'm going to create this thing. Well, why do you create it? Cause you want it to hurt somebody else. So there's a conflict. Mm-hmm. and maybe that's a historical event yeah. they were weapons created to wipe out these or some you know i don't know <laughs> people can put any history they want to it but that's the rabbit hole i go down and i just start mining these ideas and i'm like that's insane i'm writing it down <laughs> if someone doesn't own Crypto of the science wizard do you think there's still a lot of
1: value in this book for them
0: oh absolutely if for no other reason people can thumb through this and get ideas of how to incorporate some of these things, one of the, one of my favorite monsters out of here is called an attack to <laughs> I saw that. Yeah. <laughs> and, and it's basically weaponized octopi and you know, they're land-based because mm. uh, octopuses are cool. They can yeah. do so much stuff. And they look like they came from another planet. (laughs) I mean, so yeah, I I decided to take those and put them on land and they are, you could use those anywhere. There's a lot of stuff in here that is like a a slight variation on fairly familiar topics Hmm. or, or, or trends that just have a little something else that makes you go um i'm not sure because you know if if you if you've been a rpg player for any amount of years you start to get in that habit of oh that's an orc or you know oh that's a giant that's an ogre you know Mm -hmm. i kind of know what's going to happen but with some of these once you get the description you're going to be like um that's not from the core book, right? <laughs> you know, I, uh, I don't know. <laughs> mm-hmm. I don't know what to do with that. And I just wanted to bring back some of the unknown to monster books, because I, I mean, I've been playing d and for over 40 years, and mm-hmm. I've, I have gotten a little jaded about things yeah this 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 brings me back to and you know it's the ridiculous teenage years of oh i'm gonna put antlers on this uh, monster and i'm gonna make it so much weird it sounds stupid and a lot of them are and you know this book is kind of like that except they're playable you you could plug and play these things super easy there's nothing wrong with goofy monsters
1: you know they can be silly they can be exciting it's a fantasy game and things should be fun and it right. sounds like you had a fucking blast writing
0: these these creatures well and you know not everything in here is an opponent there right. there's a couple of things that are beneficial to the party um one of the creatures mm-hmm. i made was a camel pede. Okay. so it's a centipede giant size mm-hmm. that's like a camel and the deep desert Merchants and stuff have these merchant trains with these camelpedes where they have huge water sacks on their back. And, you know, <laughs> some of my <laughs> friends were like, what the hell is that for? And I was like, I thought it would be fun. That's a great answer. <laughs> you know, it's, it's, it's a nice, semi-playful herd animal that's actually useful yeah. that you would use in a game it doesn't always have to be giant lizards and camels and horses and stuff. Yeah. I got this bug that holds its own water and and can give us water. It's like, well, that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, there's, there's some of those, there's, there's a couple of Monday. There's one I just got art for today. Mm. That's a, that's a drog and it's, it's basically the little, Callot dude from uh, John Carter of Mars.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Yep, it's it's him, and <laughs> just because I think that thing is cool as hell. It is. Uh, you're right. A, a little <laughs> a little frog dog. It's like hell yeah. Sign me up for that. Yeah, put him in. What the hell? <laughs> sure. Yeah. And there's I think there's like four or five different sizes. I mean, I made them. You could have a little <laughs> pupper or a, or a great Drago. You know, it's <laughs> it's fun. I I want to have fun when I'm doing this. That's what I think I
1: love about your designs is that the fun you're having is evident. It's sometimes you see these things that come out and it's just like the person's going through the motions. They're doing a job and it's abundantly clear. They're, they're just, you know, is a paycheck. They need to get it out. They have a deadline to make. Yeah. You're having a a blast. And it's it's so clear.
0: (laughs) I I love doing these in conventions and Hmm. because Virtual conventions have been difficult and tedious and hard to kind of get the same level of excitement for.
1: Yeah.
0: Oh my god! When we're done with play tests, I've been play testing uh, Crypt Level Two, mm. and when we're done with the play tests, people are just like, "Holy smokes, this was <laughs> intense!" And I'm like, "Yeah, wasn't it?" <laughs> Uh, I, w- I will have to say that one of the monsters from Crypto Codex that is in Crypt Level 2 is excessive, <laughs> but, <laughs> okay. um, but it's a lot of fun <laughs> and, and has made for some very memorable adventuring. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so these are all currently statted out for MCC and DCC. Yes. Are you going to be taking a swing at some other
0: rule sets with this? I think for these, because a lot of these are variations on monsters that exist in other rule sets, I probably won't have any of these until I have the setting book. And then the the setting book is going to be statted out for DCC, MCC, Swords and Wizardry, Mm. um, and 5e. So uh, there will be a section. And... I have my fingers crossed. I'm going to try and pull something off. The plan for the setting book is Mm -hmm. to actually be three books in a slip case. And I like going with the digest size books Mm -hmm. for this idea. So I'm going to try it and see how that works. So that'll, that'll be a lot of figuring because the books, you know, because of the different rule sets are all going to be different sizes. Yeah. It it may not work. (laughs) That, that may be a poor judgment on my <laughs> on my case, but that wouldn't be the first time. <laughs> hey, you got to pursue your dream.
1: You know, if you see it in your head, why the hell not look into it?
0: Right. I'm gonna try it. Yeah, for sure.
1: Right. When you're designing these creatures from scratch, you know, I know you you come up with the concept. How do you go about statting them out? What is there? Some kind of
0: tool you use, or some kind of guidelines for this, or is it just um, kind of. Uh, Because I've played so many different rule sets from, Mm. you know, the little brown books all the way up to fifth edition, you can kind of see how monsters progress Mm -hmm. and how their stats and the game mechanics change. So very few monsters are whole cloth, a brand new idea. So I can start by finding, well, what's this similar to and Mm. then see, okay, well. I want this to be a little bit tougher, so maybe I'll give it an extra hit dice or something, but it, its skin is softer, so lower the AC and then, you know, just little little tweaks like that. It's, it's a lot like a recipe for dinner or something. Find something similar start adding some spices. Some things don't work. So that's why the playtest has been invaluable. Sure. Some things I've had to dial way back because mm-hmm. it was like, holy shit, what were you thinking? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I, I, in the crypto codex, I have some stats for like immature insects mm-hmm. because uh, for some of the super low level stuff I was doing as introductory, the, the ant and the beetle their armor class was so high it's like right. the characters couldn't hit them it's like that's not fun so i included a creature that's pretty basic but it's scaled down hmm. so more people can actually be involved with it it's it's one of the things you got to look at is there there's so much material for rpgs at this point where are the gaps and what makes sense to fill those gaps and when when it's for a specific game like if it's for my specific campaign awesome yeah this thing fits and then you look at well does this seem valuable for other people and a lot of times it is because those gaps are there and you know Game masters are busy. They don't want to have yeah. to figure this stuff out from scratch every right. time. It's like you don't want to have to experiment to figure out how to cook a biscuit. <laughs> you just want a good biscuit recipe. Yeah. So it's a cookbook of monster ideas. If you had to
1: pick one of your babies to that, that best exemplifies Crypto Codex as
0: a whole, which one would you choose? The Titans. <laughs> okay. All right. <laughs> Because they're not, they're not classic titans like mm. in mythology. When I got the art done for them, uh, I, I talked to the artist, the mighty Ed Bickford. He did the art for him. And I said, okay, the titan of law, I want him to look like Galactus, but change him enough so I don't get banged for IP issues. <laughs> I want the... Titan of Chaos to look like Dark Side mm-hmm. Again, don't let me get thrashed for IP issues. And then uh, MCC has uh, Artificial Intelligences, which mm. are the ones who grant programs, which is basically granting spells to, yep. to monsters and stuff. The AI for the Titans looks like Dr. Manhattan, sort of. Right. So... <laughs> just enough yeah. and, and again change the ip so i don't get sued to death but even even if i did get sued by somebody i'm such a small potatoes and i'm not relying on this to pay the rent but i i also didn't want to directly rip anybody off that's no. that's not cool but you can definitely see the inspiration mm. for it uh jack kirby any anything I can get with Kirby art, oh, sign me up. Yeah, he was amazing. Yeah, really? so but the the Titans and the way I describe them is people have heard of them. They are legendary creatures. They mm-hmm. are ultra magical giants. That's how I describe them, and and their powers are pretty ridiculous. Just because a lot of people in the DCC and MCC community told me, well, you know, when you get like, everything tops out at 10th level. Mm -hmm. And, and once you get to seventh to 10th level, you know, there's nothing really left to challenge you like (laughs) hold my beer. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah. um, I, I have the experience from swords and wizardry with frog God games of writing higher level swords and wizardry, stuff with Rapanathic and several other mm. modules that got done so i can you know everything breaks down at a certain point yeah, yeah. um but you can still you can still challenge folks when uh, when things are breaking down
1: <laughs> the higher level stuff is so difficult to, to plan for because by then like you said the game's already kind of broken mechanically you don't know what, player, what powers the players will bring to bear. And so few people get to that point. That's, yeah. I know a lot of designers are like, well, I'm not going to waste my effort.
0: I was actually thinking about this today. And I think at the point where the game breaks down mechanically for the characters and they mm-hmm. just get super powerful, I think the design goal is to get away from challenging the characters and hmm. start challenging the players okay like like put the characters in a situation where the players have to figure out what the right thing to do is and it needs to be i mean they're powerful they're going to be able to do anything they just have to know what the anything is and make it more of a Okay, I need to gather the information to find out what massive power that I have needs to be used right here. Or, you know, certain items. Oh, yeah, that that vampire, I know we we need to stake him. That's super easy. And it's like, well, this is a special vampire. And you have to stake him with a petrified tree from XYZ forest a million miles away. Otherwise he just comes back you know kind of that kind of stuff where yeah. where it's it's a little bit more epic tale instead mm-hmm. of oh we go into this village and burn it to the ground right
1: It's interesting about the changing goalposts when you're designing for different levels because at first you're kind of it's almost like a teaching program where you're like here's how you roll a dice to hit somebody in the middle like right. okay now you're kind of a badass now you can kind of like throw your weight around and maybe get involved more regionally or, or nationally right at the high levels it's interesting i had never really considered the fact that at that high level you're not challenging characters anymore you are really are going after the players themselves yeah
0: there i mean mm. there there gets to be and when you look at the the classic modules that are that are higher level that have stood the test of time like mm. i will say tomb of horrors i mean that's designed for 10th level characters and in First edition, AD&D, 10th level characters are the lords of the realm. They are the princes and barons and stuff like that. Those are established characters with strongholds, and they are responsible for the mundane people's livelihoods of the kingdoms that they're around and yada, yada, yada. But that module said, hey, give me A to you, and I am going to kill you wholesale, (laughs) which... and it's with things like pit traps and um you know here's here's a mummy that you can only destroy by touching a crown and a scepter in a certain way and you know here's these doors that are locked and if you cut them they bleed and all this kind of stuff in there it's like uh yeah my character can probably just disintegrate the doors but i don't know what that's going to do to me <laughs> right you know
1: and you can't just be like i'm gonna roll an insight check and then you know that'll tell me what i have to do here like there's right. none of that it's, you can't
0: sorry you yeah, a hint, no. but and you know there there are other examples of that but mm-hmm. i i really i feel like it becomes more of an impetus on challenging the player behind mm-hmm. the character. Cause it's like, you know, if they, if they have a machine gun and want to go into a dungeon and, and shoot orcs, yeah, you can do that all day long. Mm-hmm. But what happens when the orcs figure it out and change the scenario around, then the player has to be engaged. And that's, that's always been one of my design things, if the, if a player is not engaged, if they're just going through the motions, Oh, I open yeah. the door, kill him. Oh, I open the door and kill him. That's not fun for anybody. I want to keep players on their toes. So aside from the setting itself and the, uh, the science fantasy
1: aspect of it, what about DCC and MCC were so intriguing to you as a designer?
0: I actually just came to this a couple of days ago for me. And that's not, I'm not being the, uh, the evangelist for DCC or MCC, but I'm not, not doing it. The community that's around DCC and MCC are always trying to figure out what they can do within the rules. It's like, okay, what can I do? You know, here's a rule set. So what does that mean? What are, what are the things that I can do? And it feels like a lot of times in, in fifth edition, especially it's telling you what you can't do. Like this guy can't do this. That's that's the providence of this character over here. So right. you can't do that, but they can. And Swords and Wizardry has more of the the open end part of the of the DCC, but it's more. If I if I break it down, and I'm, somebody's gonna get mad about me saying this, but Swords and Wizardry is like Lord of the Rings. Mm-hmm. Like, like you're going to get nine people together and you're going to go off on this epic quest. And, you know, we've got the dwarf and the elf and the halfling and, and all this stuff. And yeah, yeah DCC is literally like one of the, one of the parts of the movie heavy metal. It's like den of earth. This dude shows up in the middle of nowhere, has no resources. And it's like, okay, here's these 10 beast men do what you got to do to, to <laughs> overcome this. And it's like, I have a loincloth. <laughs> it's like, okay, use that to strangle them. You know, it yeah. rejuvenated some creative juices for me mm. because it really spoke to the setting that I wanted to do. Yeah. And, and it's just, it was a lot easier to write in the system. And then now I can convert it to other systems because I have the seed idea. Right. So it was, I am, I am grateful uh, to the community, and they've been very accepting, very nice people. Which seems weird because I mean the the OSR and the Five E crowds are very. Yeah. Let's fight! Let's fight! Like, <laughs> I want to fight. I'm too old. I'm tired. I want to play games. goddammit. it! <laughs> right? Just shut up and play some games. So, and that's not everybody. So before <laughs> before Nathan gets in trouble, that that is that is strictly the opinion of Skeeter green and no one else. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. I agree with you. It's fine. Yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah. So that it was, it was freeing mm. for me, which may not be a good thing. <laughs> I
1: think if people read your books, they're understand that is a very good thing because we shouldn't be hampering creativity. We shouldn't be steering away from, from more old style games, you know, with that, like you said, it's, Challenging the player, not the character as much, even at low levels too. That's, that's the case. Right. Because not every trap, like you said, some traps you can't get around. It's just tough shit. And you can't roll your way out of it. You have to think. And that's scary for some people. And that's okay. Yeah. You're going to,
0: you're going to. So one of, an, and an example of this was, I used to run a Pathfinder game. And old friend of mine, my wife, and one of her, she's a teacher, so one of her teacher co-workers played. Pathfinder was perfect for them because they did not have the experience in RPGs. Sure. So with the list of abilities and things they could do, it was easier for them to look at the list and go, oh, well, uh, I'll use perception. Oh, wait a minute. I'm going to use a different skill. In the more open, you know, DCC swords and wizardry, it's expensive that the people playing already know that kind of stuff mm. and and some dms and gms get really like well describe what you want to do and for new players that can be very daunting because they go i don't know what's available i've never played this this is literally the first time i've sat down to be in a role-playing game i, I what are my options I'll look at the door. Okay, how do you look at the door? Stop pestering me, man. I don't know. <laughs> what is the right terminology to use? So that's one of the things that I think different editions appeal to different people for different reasons. And and my personal soapbox is that whole edition uh, war thing. I think that's stupid. I yeah. think people who do that are counterproductive and role-playing games are like pizza everybody has their favorite and they're all pizza pizza is good i don't like pineapple on my pizza but that's some people love it i i'm not gonna hate on you for that except i don't get cooked fruit man that's it's just weird i think it boils down to
1: the idea that people there's a wrong kind of fun to have yeah i i am
0: 100
1: against that Especially like now, man, if you can find something that gives you a little jolt of joy, cling to it with every last breath you have.
0: (laughs) After the last year we've had, if you can squeeze joy (laughs) out of almost anything, please do it. Speaking of joyful things in the past year,
1: post-apocalypse fantasy has been around for, I mean, as long as we've had fantasy. I mean, biblical shit is heavily post-apocalyptic. What is it about that that's so enduring to people? Why do people keep going back to the horrific end times over and over and over
0: uh, again? Honestly, I think it is the desire to overcome. Like, you know, your your daily existence it just wears you down. And sometimes you get to the weekend and you're just like, I made it. Oh, my God. I mean, <laughs> So when people are in a fantasy setting, they want to be okay. I want the worst scenario you can think of because by God, me and my character and my character's scrawny little three-legged dog are going to get in here and we're going to kick ass and we are going to overcome everything because I can't do it in my daily life. I mean, and, and unfortunately, I mean, that sounds super bleak, but (laughs) I I've had people get up and be almost at tears because, you know, I, I caught them at a certain point where they were upset about something and they got the release in this game and they got some joy. And (laughs) there, there was, there was a, a girl at a convention who got up and she was, you know, under her eyes. And I was like, Oh, Jesus Christ. What, what happened? (laughs) Is everything okay? And she was like, this was so much fun. And I was like, I, you're sending me mixed messages. I don't know what to do. (laughs) I'm sorry. I, I, I don't know, but it's, you know, and I've, I've had that too. I, I have run games. That was like the high five thing. I was like, when the, when, when a table full of strangers, overcome something and they all jump up and they high five each other. And they're like, yeah, it's like, okay, I'm, I, there's nothing I can say or do that is going to be as cool as that. Letting, letting people have that release. And I've been part of those groups when, when you overcome it's, it's huge. And it's something you talk about forever. I'm still talking about some of those games. Yeah. But that's the magic and the power of
1: this hobby. You know, people can yeah. denigrate it by saying it's just wish fulfillment or power fantasy and all that, but it's it's more than that. It's for a lot of people, like you said, this is this is one shot that you have to overcome things that you're powerless to face in real life. You know, we,
0: we can't control things. And that's that's why I think um podcasts. And webcasts and and YouTube channels of people playing d d yeah. you know, some, there's a segment of the group who says, oh, that's stupid. Why do people even do that? I Who cares? Don't mm-hmm. watch it then. Right. But if somebody else looks at that and is interested in it and decides, man, I'm going to watch this all the time. Critical role. I'm talking to you. <laughs> I think that's fantastic. Yeah. it's nothing but great for the hobby you get more people in there maybe maybe somebody who watched critical role comes in and writes D D eighth edition and it's the best version of the game ever who who are we to say where the next you know gary or dave or anybody is coming from
1: i was listening to an interview uh couple weeks ago and they were saying i forget where it was my memory is shot but they're saying more people now are coming into the hobby through these podcasts like critical role than you know in our generation it was your older brother had you know the red box (laughs) for me that's how it was and what is what is a monster manual what is that troll thing on the cover tell me more about that
0: yeah no no it's it's, it's, it's the internet (laughs) yeah things are things are so visual and the production quality oh my god so amazing! I think that's fantastic. People are on their phones most of the time, but if they're choosing to spend that time watching a D and D show, awesome, very cool. Do that. I have met some wonderful people. I do a show with my buddy Zach Glazer. Goddamn it, Zach! We've been able to interview people who are heroes to to both of us i got to be in a game with satine phoenix and mike merles and chris Lindsay at i think it was gary con several Hmm. years ago run by alex cammer from game hole con so and it was just stupid luck i asked alex i said hey man you got an extra seat at your table? He was like, yeah, I actually do. And I was like, oh, cool. <laughs> I had no idea who all the other players were. <laughs> and I sat down and I'm like, I am way out of my league. <laughs> like, hmm,
1: I have fucked this up somehow, but this yeah, is great. <laughs> um,
0: this this is the most ridiculous incident. Now, that being said, I probably have more d game history than those guys because i'm older than they are (laughs) i mean i'm like 10 years older than those guys but still you know it it was an amazing experience lots of fun and totally sweet people just great very open accommodating it was a lot of fun so it was good to hear
1: you know i think the hobby just breeds people like that because you have to be cooperative at a table otherwise you don't get invited back
0: in general, you do. There, there are some people who have definitely been fuckers. Well, <laughs> I, right. I have run into only a couple, but yeah, it, it would be shocking for some people to hear some of the stuff that I know. <laughs> After we stop recording, I'm yeah, yeah, on. That I'll, <laughs> I'll, I'll hook you up
1: with that knowledge.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I don't want to send anybody on air. Yeah. yeah.
1: <laughs> so my last formal question for you. Mm-hmm. Is, you know, if you had to guess at what sort of apocalypse will ultimately sweep through and usher us into our bleak future, what would you put your money on? Human stupidity. All right. Yep. That's that's our betting favorite right now. Yeah. Yeah,
0: uh, (laughs) I'm going to go with human stupidity, but I I think that's going to be in response to probably a natural disaster. I think a natural disaster is going to be what wipes out humanity. And
1: that's why we need more role players. Cause we're already practicing overcoming this shit and we're the best bet for
0: survival. Right. And probably farmers that's, too. You know, that's exactly <laughs> it. I was, I was, I was just talking with my wife about this the other day. Uh, she was, she was asking me who I would have as a team mm-hmm. of survivalists in like a wasteland. And I was like, well, obviously one of our gamer friends and she's like gamer friends, they, they can't even walk a hundred feet. And I was like, but they would have a plan <laughs> for how to gather resources. And, and we would do that. And she's like, that's a pretty solid choice. I'm <laughs> like, I'm going to call Bill Webb who has run every kind of wilderness game ever conceived and who <laughs> loves hex crawling. Mm-hmm. I'm like, he's going to know how to do some stuff. Yeah, Absolutely yeah i I need to get water out of this rock well i'm sure there's a way suspending it in a tree in a in a shaded area you know condensation you know i i don't know it sounded stupid even as i was saying it so i am not going to survive we'd figure it out we'd be all right i'll i'll fight the raccoons there we go see which which is a which is a story from a convention (laughs) okay you want to tell it now or should it be an off the air story I almost fought a raccoon because I was very drunk at a convention one time. <laughs> I thought I made it meant like a game. <laughs> no, it was a parking lot. <laughs> yeah, no, that was I I swore that I would not be telling that story ever again, but sure enough, it it, it will not go away. <laughs> and I think it was game hole. <laughs> I think it was game hole in Wisconsin. Well, thank you for big raccoon too. They like, growing big in Wisconsin. It's all the cheese, you know. It it's a... lured me between two cars. <laughs> Clever girl. <laughs> <Yeah>. Clever girl. <laughs> yeah, that's the uh and literally the only way that, that thing did not kill me is when I got to the back of the car and the area was opening up. I'm just like, this raccoon has lured me into the parking lot. You know, I got I got my two people behind me saying, uh, Skeeter, don't do that. Skeeter, don't do that. You're going to be sorry. You're going to, Skeeter. <laughs> and, <we're just laughs> like, ah. and, and then I stopped and I'm like, this is a bad idea. <laughs> I just <laughs> backed right up and that, yeah, survived. There you go. Well, you were in his kill
1: zone. I had, had it all mapped out. It oh, yeah. You-
0: Him and his four other raccoon buddies. I couldn't identify them. They're all wearing masks. Didn't <laughs> see yeah on that note done (laughs) i i really won't have anything more intelligent to say (laughs) is there anything
1: that we haven't asked you or that we haven't talked about yet that you really want to touch today
0: uh for everybody who's interested in rpgs don't just look at the big companies Mm. look at the smaller independent guys my man levi combs planet x games Jim Wampler, Mud Puppy Games, my buddies Ian McGarty and Rocky Gardner from Silver Boulet. give the smaller companies some attention because they're doing it because they want to and are not necessarily getting a paycheck from it. Right. Not that that's a bad thing. I mean, Rob Schwab from Demon Lord, he is probably the best RPG designer there is, and he does it full time, so I'm not yeah. shitting on anybody who does it for a paycheck. Uh, Shadow of the Demon Lord wanted yeah. to get the title correct. Right. Yeah, Rob Rob is like as good as it gets in game he's design. Amazing. Yeah, he's done so much and then went out on his own and hit it so great. And his fans, I mean, cult like mm. in the in the best possible way. <laughs> they they love Rob, Rob loves them and he he's fantastic yeah give the give the small publishers some love that's awesome man
1: skeeter green you have been an absolute joy to talk to and i really appreciate your time man
0: thank you very much i appreciate it this has been a blast
1: thanks again to skeeter green for being a fantastic guest if you want to contact skeeter about his games or about his sweet DD tattoo look up skeeter green productions on facebook or follow the link in the show notes. His Kickstarter campaign for Crypto CryptoCodex is live until March 16th, so please follow the link to show some love for that completely insane and wonderful product. Thanks for watching and or listening. I've been Nate Magnusky, despite my best efforts, and from the entire Pot of Blunders family, may all your D's be 12's.